Hello and welcome to the 2022 Dublin Literary Awards Shortlist Podcast, presented as part of International Literature Festival Dublin. My name is Jessica Trainer, And my name is Sean Hewitt. In this special podcast series, we will explore each novel in detail as we chat exclusively to the authors shortlisted for the award, the winner of which will be announced on the 23rd of May as part of International Literature Festival Dublin, which, like the award, is sponsored by Dublin City Council. Nominated by libraries around the world, the award is the world's most valuable annual prize for a single work of fiction in English, or translated into English, worth €100,000 to the winner or winners. In today's episode, we're looking at The Death of Vivek Oji by Ekweke Emezi, nominated by Helsinki City Library in Finland. On the day Vivek was born, Chika had held the baby in his arms and stared at the scar. He'd seen it before. Kavita always commented on its shape whenever she rubbed Ahana's feet. Kavita had been without a mother for so long, her love for Ahana was tactile and rich with childlike affection, a hundred thousand touches. They would sit together, read together, walk in the farm together, and Ahana would give thanks that she'd given birth to two sons and been gifted with two daughters. When Akene and Mary had their child Asita, Ahana had wept over his little face, singing to him in soft Igbo. She couldn't wait for Cheetah and Kavita's baby to arrive. Now it was a year later, and Chika felt something building in him slowly as he held his newborn son like folds of pouring cement hardening into a sick fear, but he ignored it. These things were just stories, they couldn't be real. It wasn't until the next day that a messenger boy from the village came to Nguai to tell Chika that Ahana had died the day before, her heart seizing at the threshold of the house, her body slumping into her compound, the earth receiving her slack face. He should have known... Chika told himself as Kavita screamed in grief. Vivek clutched to her chest. He did know. How else could that scar have entered the world on flesh if it had not left in the first place? Great. Thanks Mm. for that, Sean. Mm. It's such a lyrical piece, I think, and it really reflects uh, something about this novel, which is such a wonderful tapestry of contemporary Nigeria and full of so much beautiful, vivid language and so many surprises. But at its heart, it's a family saga. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a, it's, a, it's a book that places family very much at the centre while probing issues around identity, um, from non-binary identity to various different kinds of queerness and how those things exist in the Nigeria of today mm-hmm. um, and the dangers that surround these things. Mm-hmm. Um, But at the heart of it, we have these family connections, which are complex and difficult at times and full of the usual misunderstandings, but but kind of brought together by a very, very deep bond. And and this bond is the kind of the axis around which everything turns Mm. in the novel. Mm. So in some ways, when I when I was reading it here, you get the sense of it being populated by all of these characters, like many characters. Is that something that happens throughout the book? Do we follow 
loads of different characters. We do. And sometimes we take little diversions into characters whose narratives are seemingly completely unconnected, but then everything is kind of mapped back in very, very skillfully. Mm-hmm. Um, and Akweki has spoken about how this novel is um, inspired by Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Mm. And we have that same kind of family saga, but also this slight sense of magic realism, yeah. um, which I think is also symbolised in the notion of the, the grandmother figure's scar Mm. Uh, passing to Vivek, mm. the, the the central mm. character, mm. Uh, with birth and with it this sense of portent right. that hangs over everything. Right. Um, and it's a very brave novel in that, without any spoilers, it leads with the death of its character. Yeah. I mean, it's right there in the in yeah. the title that the central character dies. Mm. Um, and again, Akweke has spoken about the notion of the bravery of 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 foregrounding something like that and then how do you create a novel that that circles around Mm. this very central tragic event Mm. you get the sense reading uh, that extract um, there was this quotation these things were just stories they couldn't be real Mm. kind of this playful teasing with the possibilities of what fiction might do um, and how far you can push a story into strange um, places and still have it be real or or feel real or true. That idea of writing in the aftermath of uh, a death, uh, to have it uh, moving around in absence and see how people react to that is really interesting. Yeah, and there's a sense of an excavation of stories and the stories that were true for the individual and in, individuals in question in terms of their lived existences, mm. as opposed to the kind of narratives that were placed on them. Mm. You know, it's a it's a book full of people kind of chafing against social convention in many different ways, but in a society where to do so is quite dangerous. Mm-hmm. And so it really questions how much we can define ourselves and how much of our own stories can we inhabit. Mm. in those very straightened circumstances. Mm. Um, It's never incredibly specific about time period, but it feels very contemporary. It's a contemporary Nigeria. Um, And it it tells us really interesting things about Nigeria in terms of, you know, I suppose the the racial diversity in Nigeria, you know, Vivek's mother, for example, is Indian. Mm. Um, And and how all of these various different cultures have come in together and been integrated to a certain extent and yet are not quite. Mm. Um, So it's full of people who are trying to, I suppose, tease out the spaces within their society in order to exist and be happy and and also to not be defined externally, but to define themselves. Um, But there's a great deal of mystery and uncertainty there with which is teased out in a really kind of exciting and gripping way. It sounds like it does a lot uh, within a relatively short space, 200 or so pages. Um, I can't wait to hear your conversation um, about it. It sounds fascinating. So here I am speaking to Dr. Ibon Joseph about the death of Vivek Oji by Akweke Emeze, nominated by Helsinki City Library in Finland. As Akweke Emeze can't be with us today, joining us here on the podcast is Dr. Ibon Joseph. Dr. Abon is a race relations consultant and director of the Institute of Anti-Racism and Black Studies. She was a teaching fellow at Trinity College Dublin, where she taught the undergraduate module on race, ethnicity and identity, and on the master's programme where she developed and taught the module on intersectionality of race and gender. She developed the first module in Black Studies and Critical Race Theory in Education at University College Dublin. 
Avon is published and contributes regular responses on contemporary issues of race and racism in Ireland. Her recent 2020 book is titled Racial Stratification in Ireland, A Critical Race Theory of Labour Market Inequality with Manchester University Press. She also co-authored the book Challenging Perceptions of Africa in Schools, Critical Approaches to Global Justice Education with Rutledge in December 2019. Avon recently launched the No to Brain Waste campaign, which highlights the barriers faced by underemployed and overqualified migrants and Irish-born ethnic minorities. So thank you so much, uh, Dr. Avon Joseph, and welcome to the Dublin Literary Award podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, I'm delighted that you were able to join us today to talk about this fascinating novel, The Death of Vivek Oji, uh, which shines a really fascinating light on contemporary Nigeria. And before we started recording, I was saying that I think a lot of Irish people maybe don't know quite a lot about contemporary Nigerian society. So can you talk to us a little bit about it as as it's reflected in this novel? Um, thank you so much. And it's a pleasure to be here. Um, it's, it's really interesting and that you say that, you know, I think it was still funny. Um, not, not too long ago, somebody you know, I get a lot of reports of things that happen that make people cry sometimes, you know. And somebody was asked that, you know, if people still live on trees, you know. <laughs> and, like, oh, no. and, you know, the interesting thing, I'm not saying like 20 years ago, mm-hmm. I'm saying like six years ago, this happened to the person like six years ago. And, you know, she asked, you know, if they still live on trees in Africa, you know, in, in all of that. And I was like, did, did you ask them if they have a Google search? Oh, God, <laughs> you know, yeah, so you yeah. know, so sometimes you hear some things like that, and you wonder, like, okay, just do a Google search, and you know, you can see what it looks like. You can see what the airport looks like. You can even have an area view of what the streets look like. You know, but what this book has done, you know, is that it has introduced us some of the culture. You know, some of the way things are. You know, I was reading it, and it was it was a mix of blend. It was a blended mix for me. Some of it made me laugh. You know, like, oh, that's such a typical Nigerian mom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so me. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and you see some out oh, that's so church. You know, so you could just see all of the things. You know, and so if you're part of that culture, and I think it kind of introduces to you in a very, in a very subtle, nice way. And I think I also like the way you know the language was introduced. It's brought in in such a way that even if you don't understand what it's saying, it makes it doesn't. You know, it doesn't deter you from enjoying it, you know. Yes. So you still enjoy it. You know, the language is there. You can almost picture in your head <laughs> what, what it is saying, yes. you know. So it's uh, really fascinating. Um, I think one of the ones that made me laugh was right from the beginning, you know, page three, when he said, when he described the girl as a full girl. <laughs> I was like, okay, what is a full girl? Do you know? <laughs> I loved it as well, actually. I have to say that even though I had no notion of the the Igbo language, the tone always communicated. And I felt that there was such a flow and rhythm in the dialogue and the way people spoke that even though uh, I didn't understand the language, I kind of knew what was being said and I could hear it and I felt really immersed in it. Um, One of the really fascinating things, I think, for, for maybe people who know less about Nigerian culture is the notion that Nigeria, as a very modern country, has been shaped a lot by immigration, you know, um, and what's interesting in the society depicted here, uh, Vivek's family and all of their friend families, um, most of them, one of the parents has come from another country um, and they have this group called the Niger Wives who are all wives from different countries who've come together and brought parts of their cultures with them. And I think Akweke's uh, own background is that their mother is is Tamil uh, from Malaysia. So it's very, very interesting. And is that a part of contemporary Nigeria that you would recognize? It is. It is a, it is a major part, you know, because um, like 
people don't know, but the population of Nigeria is you know, over 200 million. And there's massive, you know, economic growth in that country. And so we have people from, ev- I mean, like as far back as, you know, many years we had, you know, like you talk about shell worry. We've had, you know, like, you know, expatriates who've come, who've been in Nigeria. So they come there with their families, people who've grown, actually grew up in Nigeria, you know, and with their families living there, growing there. You know, we have, you know, the Lebanese school. You know, it's a school in Nigeria. It's called a Lebanese school. You know, I can just that just popped back into my head. That's from many years of being back home. You know, so we have all of those, you know, huge, you know, communities and families, you know, that have been there, you know, um, working in different areas. Now, you know, with telecom, telecom has been another one that has introduced a whole massive, you know, um, you know, mixed, you know, in integrated, you know, communities, you know, in Nigeria, you know, so it was really interesting reading that. I was like, okay, it's really good for people to see that, you know, we too in Nigeria, we do have immigrants who are there. We do have, you know, like, you know, so it was was just really nice to see, you know, that whole family, you know, looking at the mixed race, the kids, you know, living there with the parents living there as well. And that's, yeah, so it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a major, it's, it's quite major. Yeah. It's also very much a book about families and intergenerational relationships and uh, family seems to be a huge, huge part of, of society. Um, do you think there are parallels between Nigerian literature and Irish literature in that way and that the family is such a central part? Yeah, you know, I, I think that I think maybe that's why many of us who are from the who are from who are you know were born in Nigeria you know who are here maybe that's why you know for us we can settle in here in Ireland because you know that family I know we're losing a lot of that in Ireland now and it's a pity to see that you know and I keep saying to my Irish friends or my African Irish friends to say don't lose that is a key part is a key essence of what we are you know you don't call somebody on the Sunday and say I'm coming to your house no you just arrive (laughs) (laughs) you know and you arrive there you expect to have lunch so you don't Mm. just arrive and you know you don't just get given biscuits and a cup of tea you know you get proper food you know I'm like and I'm not joking like you know on Sundays like six of us my sisters we could just arrive at my sister's house from church we'd just be coming from church I was like okay let's just go to May's house and we'd just be all of us and she, I'm not joking, she will cook proper lunch for all six of us without prayer notice, with a big smile on her face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she, you know, mm-hmm. and then we'll stay there and then we'll just, you know, natter and natter about. So, and that's a huge part. Community, family is a huge part. So you can see, like, when you read the book, you can see cousins popping out from everywhere, you know, sisters, you know, they pop out from everywhere. And it's that whole huge part. So it's like a whole village, you know. Mm. You know, we have this saying that, you know, it takes a, it takes a, you know, a, a community to raise a kid. You know, and that's it. You don't raise your child alone. Everybody raises that child with you. And that's what you can actually see in the, in the book. You can see everybody in everybody's business. When you're having a problem, with, I mean, even here in Ireland, I have friends who have challenge with their kids. And they call me. Like, you know, to talk to their kid. <laughs> and when I'm challenged with my kid, I call my friend and say, you need to talk to him. <laughs> do you know? So, do you know, so all of that. So we get, so, and it's, it's a huge part. So this is, yeah, it's a really close reflection of, of on ground, you know, what it is. And modernity has not stopped that. You know, you could think that, oh, we've become so contemporary. Everybody's become so busy. It's still so, it's still such a huge, a huge part, you know, of, of, 
of the way family is, you know. Absolutely. And even with the younger generation, and it's interesting in the novel, the way that uh, Vivek is, is treated, I suppose, by the parents' generation and then by the generation of cousins and friends who who surrounds, uh, who surround Vivek. And it's quite interesting to see, I think, that there's so much love in this book. You know, the older generation, while they may not understand Vivek, they, they definitely want the best or what they think is the best. And then that younger generation as well, they create the same structure and support, um, but they seem happier to let Vivek or Nemdi, uh, whichever the generate or whichever the identity that Vivek is, is choosing at that time, uh, to, to kind of just exist, you know. Yeah, yeah. So that same structure of support is still yeah, there in I, the I younger mean, it's, generation. It's, um, I don't, I can't, I think I can't explain it enough. Like, if you ask me the one thing I miss not being in Nigeria, is that's the only thing I miss, that network of support. You know, and, you know, I'm so grateful we have phones that helps us to do this now. You know, um, during COVID, one of the things that helped me to survive, because, you know, I was home by my, with just my boys, you know, and not going out. I think we've not gone out for almost two years. So, you know, just being able to Zoom with my family, get on the Zoom call with like 15 of my family members and their kids. And we're all there, okay, what is that one doing? And you see people eating, you know, it just, it, it kept me sane. Yes. You know, and so, so, so what you've captured there is just the fact that, you know, even when you say the younger generation, while they are younger, they still have that whole structure of support and network. So when you read the book and you read on, you can see how they supported each other, mm-hmm. you know, how kept each other's secrets, you know, yes. um, or were in each other's business, you know, and all of that. So all of that comes out as well, because sometimes we think that, OK, my parents are so weird. I'm going to stop, you know. Then you wake up one day and you're actually your parent. Yeah, you know you're doing exactly <laughs> the same thing, you know, and that's why you can see, you know, the the, the way the way the older generation were with each other. You see the younger generation, even while they were more lenient with some things, but they still had the same support networks, you know, in place, you know, for each other. So it's it's yeah. Absolutely. And I think um, Akweke has written quite a lot about um, Igbo traditions and and mysticism, especially in their first book, Freshwater. There's less of it in this, but there is still a little bit of a a kind of an interesting vein uh, flowing throughout around notions like reincarnation. So uh, Vivek inherits his grandmother's scar. Um, It's passed down, even though it's a physical scar, it's passed down. And did you find those currents running through? the book that sense of kind of a mysticism and a spirituality yeah Yeah, so you know I know that over here we look at them as mysticism because you know sometimes we've stopped being spiritual Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. in Nigeria we're still very spiritual Mm -hmm. we're still like very spiritual you know and so so for for us here we would do it more look at it more like mysticism Mm -hmm. In, in Nigeria if you're there on ground it is more spirituality, mm-hmm. you know. So people do believe that those who believe who do it on a traditional level, you know, like looking at looking at it as reincarnation or you know traditional spirits or things, you know. So yes. they will look at it in that way. Those who will look at it from the church perspective as in you know, being spiritual, you know, and in helping to build your own spiritual growth, your own spiritual life. So all of that is still it's still a core part, you know. I mean, there's like in Nigeria now, there's a a massive, you know, I don't know if I can say that online, but there's a massive revival going on mm. in Nigeria now. Like, you know, in the morning, in the morning in Nigeria, there are at least 200,000 people, devices connected on YouTube, praying. Wow. I'm not saying, like, um, 
congregation, no, yeah. devices. So because on YouTube, it will tell you 70,000 online. Wow. It will tell you 55,000 on read on Facebook, mm. different devices. So it will show you the numbers that are connected. You know, yes. do you understand? Yeah. And this has been going on for almost a year and a half. Wow. It, it kicked in during COVID. So it was a support system that was started by one, you know, pastor. You know, he started yeah. it. Yeah. And people, people got on. I'm not saying Monday to Friday, every morning, 7 a.m., Mm. Do you know? Yeah. So all of that, and so that's so so spirituality is a thing we believe in. Mm. You know, yeah. So so that's why you know. So some of that comes across. You know, in this. You know, I guess the only thing is it was it was brought from a perspective that was different from what how I would see it, how I would know it. You know, mm. because you know, like with everything, there are different types of spiritual angles. You know, there are different ways people do it. It's there's not a one size fits all. Yes. So let's not read one and say, oh, that's how they do spirituality. No, that's not it. So what is here is, you know, because you know they talked. Was a, I don't know if I can say it. If I, I don't want to be a spoiler for those who need to of read course. it. Yeah, you know? yeah. But there but, are different. I mean, we see different spiritual approaches in the book, and we see the tensions right. between yes, them, don't absolutely. we? And I think it's nice that there's that kind of survey of different approaches yeah. uh, so that we get a sense again of, yeah. of the diversity of, yeah. of contemporary Nigeria. Um, and I'd love to talk to, to you a little bit about where you feel that this book fits into the Nigerian canon and Nigerian literature as a whole. Talk to me a little bit about some other Nigerian writers, perhaps, that we should be we should be reading in yeah. companion with this book. Yeah, I, I think that, I mean, for, for a more contemporary person, and I think a lot of, and the Irish in Ireland were really good with that because Chimamanda was here a few months ago you know so I, so that's good that you know we've really been introduced to that literature here mm. but she's been with one that I say is closest you know in that you know um, this kind of contemporary literature that helps us to see a contemporary Nigeria you know how we mix with the world you know her book Americana you yes. know all of that so that's really nice you know um, yeah so so that's also I think Chimamanda is definitely one you know that helps you to see you know gives you a nice introduction you know, into that. You know, one of our oldest ones would be, you know, to look at, you know, Tina Chebe's, you know, book, you know, Things Fall Apart. Do you know, Things Fall Apart has been translated to Irish? Really? I didn't know that. I was I don't know if it was an Irish nun, but I was in the DFA at one event and I saw, you know, they actually had the, so it's been translated to Irish, you know. That book has been translated into at least 220 languages, you know. So you can see, so if you read that kind of book now, you know, so so these are like two extremes but they are giving you an it's like a an eye view into nigerian culture i'm interested both of them have you know showing the Igbo culture yes hmm. yeah absolutely what is this saying yeah i have to get the yoruba and the house people to write absolutely please do <laughs> <laughs> because you know china Achebe is you know from the Igbo culture as well yes. he writes from that perspective and you know this one now is coming from that perspective as well absolutely you know, um, but there's that wonderful link there as well with things fall, fall apart because of the, the line coming from the Yeats poem, Easter 1916 yeah. as well. That's I right. love that. Yeah. I love when we find those little cultural bridges yeah. because I think they're so important and they exist everywhere. everywhere. And Absolutely. we have to recognise them and celebrate them, I think. Yeah. Um, I, I We were chatting a little bit before we started recording about the structure of the novel. It's fascinating the way that Akweke Amezi tells the story, isn't it? Oh, no, it's really... I think that... And I'd rec- you know, it's it's a good read, you know. It's a very good read because it's fascinating. You don't you actually don't know where it's going, you know, because you start reading it and you think, Oh, I know I know what this is about. But it's also written in such a way that it's um it's interesting, yes. you know. Um, the use of language, you know, the language drops in there. So you know that okay, this is not an English book, yet it's an English book. 
yeah. you know you know yeah. because a lot of people ask i said so the first you need to know about nigeria is that nigeria our primary language is english okay yes and so people ask me you know can i i can't speak any other language that's that's how bad mine is okay. I cannot speak any because I was trained in English. I grew up learning English. Mm -hmm. You know, so English is a is we go to school in Nigeria in English. You know, so when people come here and they're asking you to do an English test, I'm like, no, we English is the language they study in. You know, there. But you know the way the chapters flow into each other, yes. really good. You know, the I think it's yeah, it's just a very. Um, a very interesting style of writing. And really it's, good. it's fascinating as well, the notion of starting. Uh, the novel starts at the end point almost because the novel starts with uh, with the fact of the main yeah. protagonist's death. Yes. And then we kind of have to fill in the blanks. It's really yeah. fascinating, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, and as well, there's this, I, I love the notion uh, that the line here on the back, they burned down the market the day Vivek Oji died. Yeah. Um, and that, I think, really grips us, doesn't yeah, it? It yeah. makes us think, I keep, how? I keep looking, okay, well, the market, okay, what's going to happen with the market? Yeah. So when I said the first thing about it, I said, okay, that's where it happened. Okay, not that one. Yes, yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. So, you know, so that stays in your head because, you know, you're looking for the, okay, so the market burn. I'm like, how many times is this market going to burn? Yeah. <laughs> is this the new market? Or? The new market you know? yeah. So, yeah, that was nice. Yeah, I thought it was interesting, you know, that, you know, is that with the intrigue, you know, just saying yes. that, you know, that, yeah, you know, that, that you know, he, he died, you know. So, mm. like, okay. So, mm. and one thing is settled, he died. Yes, yeah, yeah. And then we have yeah. to fill in the fill gaps. In, yeah. and, and we won't give anything away, but I was I, I was quite surprised. Yeah. Were yeah. you as no, well in, in, in what actually transpired, absolutely. you know? Absolutely. Um, you know. But, but talk to me a little bit as well about, about about one of the interesting things I suppose in this novel was that it felt very contemporary to me and I was trying to date it in my head I was looking at the references and saying okay this is about people who are maybe my age maybe kind of now mid to late 30s mid to late 30s <laughs> um, but but there was no very specific reference to time and place and yet it yeah. feels very contemporary it feels yeah. like it's happening now but the market is at the centre of everything can you talk to me a little bit about, about what the market means in Nigeria because I think that maybe is a cultural touchstone that we've lost in Ireland yeah. where we markets would have been a bigger thing when I was growing up and now they've mostly been closed down. Yeah. Um, but is the market and still that's a true. Huge? We only have supermarkets now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. yeah. But that's true. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh. I know, I know. <laughs> but even things even things like this, the, the horse fair at Smithfield, yeah. which is such a huge part I of know, Irish culture, yeah. it still happens a little bit, but it's it's more difficult for it to happen you know like 20 years ago when i came to when i first came to ireland they used to have the where was it now they used to have you know like the saturday markets you know yeah, yeah. some in yeah they used to have saturday markets it used to be really fun yeah. and you would go to those ones you know and um, but it's not the same thing when we talk about market we mean like proper markets like so you when <laughs> like proper markets around every day Okay. You know, yeah. like every day you go into the market, there's activities everywhere, you know, like 20 roads lead in, you know, yeah. you can get lost. It's like a maze, yeah. you know, and um, I mean, like, God, the, the traffic around it is mad. So anywhere where there's a market, so there's going to be mad traffic there, mm. like proper mad traffic yeah. It's getting a bit better now. Like the last time I went to Nigeria, oh, my God, this is a market. I couldn't believe it. They, it was sane. You know, the like in front of it, the taxis where all the taxis and the buses were all sanely arranged. Yeah. Like, oh my God, this is gone. This is good. This is good. Yeah, this is good. Yeah. You know, but the market is big. It's a big square. Mm. So it's usually like a big square. And there are like small tables arranged, you know. And so everybody's selling, you know, in there. You have everything from 
from food stuff like tomatoes, you know, fresh tomatoes. You know, we eat organic tomatoes. Yes. It's only when we got here, you guys started giving us non-organic tomatoes. I know, I know. Tomato is <laughs> the color of no tom- natural tomato in the world. <laughs> oh my God. I know I'm, I'm digressing a bit. I had a, I had a mango. I was like, this is mango. Please, it doesn't even, oh. <laughs> like if you eat mango and corn here, yeah. you know, you just eat it and you just, you just, you're just chewing at it, you know. Yeah. It just makes you sad. <laughs> yes. Which is not what a mango is you know, supposed like we have to like do. Proper sweet mangoes, are like yeah. sweet, you know. Mm. But yes, no, no. So you have all of those. So like, you know, the market starts at the beginning, starts with all those, you know, the vegetables are on the outside. Then you go inside and you begin to find the meats, yeah. you know, like, so you can go there and say how much meat and you have to haggle. Yeah. You know, the haggling is part of it. So yeah. don't just give, they just, because they'll tell you like four times the amount. Yeah. And you have to be bold enough to haggle. <laughs> I do remember that growing up, we, we used to go to always get our vegetables on Camden Street. There used to be fr- uh, fruit and vegetable salt stalls there and we would haggle and everything like that. But that's gone now. It's yeah. all gone. Even, yeah. um, you know, even Moore Street in the city centre, yeah. very few people left. But what I like about the notion of the market here is that it, it feels contemporary, but it also feels like it could be anywhere, you know, yeah. so it creates a sense of kind of a fable almost. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another thing I'd love to talk about is that I think that this is a book full of very strong women. Um, and can you talk to me a little bit about this kind of the, the matriarch, I suppose, in Nigerian society? And again, a lot of the women here are are people who've come to Nigeria and have created their own space within the community. Um, but is is the the kind of the tradition of a strong woman uh, a, a big thing in the book? Do you think? Yeah, um, it's. Uh, I think you know one of the things. I think was it on um, was on page four. I think I saw something. You know, the, the son came home and saw her that she had a you know a bandage on her leg and said, "What happened to you?" So she now said, "Oh, I stepped on the stick on the farm." You know, it just reminded me of Sojourner Truth. I don't know if you've heard of Sojourner Truth, but she wrote yeah. a, a poem called "Anti a Woman." You know, she said, yes. "I can drink a man down and I can farm." You know, yeah. like if you've not heard that poem, just listen to it. It's absolutely yeah. amazing. Yeah. You know, but it's Sojourner Truth. You know, talk about you know um, anti a woman. Mm-hmm. You know and. It was it was enacted during the time of the enslavement of black bodies in in the United States, and that was when that poem was written. But it was talking about all the work that she can do as yeah. a woman. You know, I never seen anybody open the door for me. You know, yeah. all of that. So she talks about all of those things. So when I read this, you know, about how she stepped on a stick, you know, on the farm, you know, I say when we talk about wealth creation, we don't, you know, we don't reckon women, but mm. women in in Nigeria, they farm as much as the men farm. In fact, the women actually farm the most. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if it's changed now, but when I was back home, it was the women, you know, who would go. So the man, you know, would sit down. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't be giving out, yeah. giving all these secrets out, but yeah. the man would sit down, right? And the women and the kids, you know, the women yeah. and the kids would then go in. So they do the planting, they're doing the farming mm. and the harvesting and all of that, you know. So that was when, you know, before we had all this industrial, you know. Yeah, so you see the women, when they're coming back, you see the line. If you've read, read all those, so you see it's usually the women who have the things, the luggage on their heads, mm. carrying, coming from the farm. So being strong, and I think for us, and I think for people like myself, those are the things that helped us to survive here as well. Because mm. we've, we've been used to working hard. Yeah. You know, we've been used to, adverse conditions we've been used to life saying you can't and we say we will yes yeah <laughs> you know life yeah. tells you you can't i say you watch me yeah <laughs> so yeah. we had to develop that you watch me attitude mm-hmm. you know you watch mm-hmm. me do it you watch me be you watch me you know because life has not handed us things freely yes. we've had to take it you know 
um, you know, you, you, you read about the book, you, you read about, you know, oh, being, you know, being a female child and not being valued as much as a male child, you know, because, you know, they assume that, oh, a female child, you're just going to get married and your name will be gone. You won't have any money. You can't take care of your parents. You can't take care of them when they're older and all of that, you know, so male children are valued and more valued than female children. They would rather send a male child to school than to send a female child. So that's why you have all of this, you know, maybe female children more, you know, people trying to do so much more work now with female children to help to educate them more, mm. you know. For the African, for the Nigerian woman, I would say, you know, having learning to be strong early is a key part of your growing up. Nobody takes you apart to teach, say, be strong. You just mm. learn it. You yeah. want to survive, you got to be strong. Yes, yeah. And we see that, I think, with, with Kavita, with Vivek's mother and her quest to try and find what happened, even yeah. though everybody tells her, stop looking, stop looking. She was looking. a proper Nigerian woman, even though she yes, was, even though she was <laughs> Asian. Was she she yes, was Asian, yeah, right? Yeah. She was so proper Nigerian. I was like, oh, this is so like, like I could rec- I could identify with her so much, yes, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, she was so dogged, you know? Yes, like, the dogged way is the word. Go, oh, yeah. She was dogged, <laughs> like, you know, she stayed on it, you know, like, mm. you know, and the way, you know, you do anything for your kids as well. Yes. So we grew up like that, like you do anything for your kids, you know. So yeah, yeah she was so pure dogged on it, you know, till she pushed and pushed and pushed till she got to where she, you know, what she needed to know. This you is know, it. so yeah, so it's um she, was, she she passed through Nigeria, Nigeria passed through her. Yes, yeah, perfect. <laughs> it was a two-way street. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um and I think, you know, just to, to finish up, I'd say really the resolution of this book is very, very moving. Um it speaks a lot about identity, about uh contemporary pre-Nigeria about identity both in the West and in Nigeria. You know, one of the things that Akweki has talked about is how uh, in the West, we like to put everybody in a box and put a label, whereas uh, Vivek, I think, kind of transcends those labels in a really interesting way. But it's a book with a fascinating resolution that you will want to keep turning the pages to get to. Uh, it's it's a how done it as opposed to a who done it. I yeah, suppose yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> also a who done it. But you know, yeah. it's a it's a book that unfolds its its secrets and stories with great skill. Um, I just want to just add that you know I think it's important that when people are reading this book too. To read it and 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 see the things that are not explicitly named, you know the purpose, the importance of talking, you know, and I think that was one of the things that struck me the most: importance of talking and not keeping things to ourselves. I could see mental health, yes. you know, and um, the the impact of the mental health was it was very big in there. It wasn't named explicitly, you know, so it's not an academic book, so it's not named, but you could see it was so tangible in the book. And so you begin to see that the importance for parents, you know, to be mindful, you know, and not just to give up things like when we see them, because we see them playing out here now, mm. you know, so it's fiction, yet it's so real in people's lives today and that we need to be very aware you know, when our people, when our children are changing, when your neighbor is changing, when somebody beside you is changing, we need to be aware. If we have to push to pull stuff out of them, we can keep them safe. You know, being that voice, you know, you can hear when somebody stayed with somebody and listened to them, the mm-hmm. difference it made. Being the only outlet for that person to to express themselves, you can see the difference it made. You you become somebody's safe space. Yes. You know, not all of us can do that, but anybody who is gifted enough to be a safe space for somebody, please let's do that. I think it's really important that we need more of that. We've lost it. There's a key part we should play. And I think we as families, we need to try and find back, take our steps back and find it. Please. It's so important. We are the first contact. We are the first. Yet we're also the, the, we're also the source of all the problems. Yeah. <laughs> 
I'll stop on that. No, but that is perfect, Avon. And I think that Ekweke would be so delighted that that's what you took from the book. I mean, I found it a book full of full of love and full of the both the problems and the supports that families can offer. Um, but absolutely, I think that if if that's the call out that comes from this novel, and if people respond to that, um, then I'm sure Ekweke Emezi will be absolutely delighted. So thank you again. Dr. Abram Joseph and to our listeners too. Thank you. Thank you for listening and be sure to tune in to the other episodes as we count down to the 2022 Dublin Literary Award winner announcement. You can read this year's shortlisted titles from public libraries around Ireland or borrow them as e-books and e-audiobooks on the free BorrowBox app. Plus, you can enter to win your own copies of the six shortlisted books by entering the giveaway running now through the 17th of May on ILF Dublin's social media channels. Wherever you're listening from, we invite you to join us for the online award ceremony on Monday the 23rd of May. You can book your ticket online for free at www.ilfdublin.com and browse the other fantastic events in this year's International Literature Festival Dublin programme.